And we are back with another episode of From the Rafter. Sam and I are here recording on Thursday, July 21st. And we are joined by John Corrales of Boston Sports Journal and the Locked On Celtics podcast. How are you doing today, John? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Thank you for joining us, John. We're doing a little pre-show research. This is the fifth time you've joined us. So we wanted to just tell you that we appreciate you. Yeah, right? I'll see you guys. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say thank you for putting up with us oh, it's, not for that long. It's we great. Wow, I was a five-time guest. Yeah, I, I didn't realize either. We'll keep it rolling. I think Sam uh, is frozen there on the YouTube screen, but he'll be back. He usually jumps back in here after he freezes for a minute. But yeah, five times was a bit surprising. I was like, I was looking through our Spotify and like control F uh, searching yeah. some people. And I, I thought it was like, uh, I want to bring it up. Maybe it's like second or third time, but five was it was a shock. But anyways, all that's to say, thank you for joining us again. We appreciate it. Sam's, I think, back in the room at this point. I, I've stalled for long enough. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we figured we'd roll through oh, some of that. Welcome back, Sam. Welcome back to the show. He might be lagging out again, but we're, we're just going to roll through it. We're used to it. Um, Celtic Summer League just wrapped up uh, a little less than a week ago. I think that this point time's an infinite loop, so I forget. Um, Celtics ended up going three and two. If I do believe J.D. Davison played pretty well, if, uh, and Mifodu Kabagele, both are in two-way spots. Celtics still have a few roster spots left from the Malcolm Brogdon trade. Um, so we just wanted to get, you know, some general thoughts of yours on Summer League to start, you know, and we can tie it into the roster spots after that. Yeah, I mean, Summer League this year was kind of, I thought, anticlimactic. The, the Celtics now is, now that they're in a championship mode, Summer League is more meaningless than than kind of ever like none of these guys are going to make an impact on this team i don't think uh if maybe maybe you get some minutes here and there from cabin gelly now that he's on the two-way contract but the reality is as much as we love to get caught up in the oh this guy played well and he looked great it's summer league and a lot of these results i like you know call them false positives they're just yeah, you look great. And sure, Cabin Gelly looked really good at times, and Davison looked good at times, and Matt Ryan looked good at times. The question is, how much of this is truly translatable? And and people will say, hey, yeah, this 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 thing that he does and that thing that he does. But until he does it against NBA competition, we don't know. Uh, he had a lot of offensive rebounds, Cabin Gelly, uh, but also a lot of guys were out of position in summer league. Uh, a lot of a lot of bigs are overcompensating, and like you really have got to look at the whole, the totality of it. One, uh, the the defense gets blown by on on the perimeter a lot, which means a big has to really help, and they're they're not great at helping recover because the defense in summer league is terrible. That leaves opportunities for offensive rebounds. Is he going to get those against any level of NBA competition? We'll have to wait and see. But the Celtics saw enough that made them think, hey, let's give this kid or this, I mean, he's, he's going to be 25. So um, they saw enough to give him the two way. And we'll see. Uh, Davison is an intriguing guy. He, he showed some really good passing ability, but he's his ball handling needs some work. His shooting needs some work. He's a, I think he's a good candidate to be a project on a two way deal. And we'll see if he contributes on the floor or in a trade within the next couple of years. And um but other than that, yeah, I, I advocate for Matt Ryan to, to get a look. And if, if that's it, if that's where we get the, then, then I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't think, I don't think we need to spend a ton of energy 
worrying about how much these summer league guys are going to contribute because it probably won't be a whole lot. Yeah, right. They they were all hanging out watching games courtside throughout the playoffs all all spring, right? Matt Ryan in street what? clothes for most of it. He impressed me real real earlier though. You know, in the games he played, he looked great. Looked great in the first game that they got slapped around. Obviously, had the game where he hit the game winner, but. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if he takes any kind of step into the rotation. It's going to be tough with Hauser, I think. Yeah, and look, I I thought I thought Ryan on a two way deal made a lot of sense. I don't, I wasn't really keen on giving a big that that two way deal, but the Celtics had a different opinion. Okay, so be it. Uh, I think Matt Ryan shows an ability to come off a screen and hit a shot and hit it with take it with confidence, but again. Are you ta- are, is he taking and making that shot against a defense that is either switching? What's he doing against the switch? Is he getting those openings uh, against teams that are quicker with quicker defenders and longer defenders? So as much as I was like, yeah, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan could be a, a good, a, you know, one of the guys that you keep very easily could have been. I very easily could have been mesmerized by the makes and, you know, you overvalue hot shooting in the summer league and you just, you know, it's, it's an easy way to get sucked into a performance and then look bad afterwards. I was like, Oh geez, I thought they should have kept this guy and he just never hooks on anymore. So who, who knows? I was big on Matt Ryan and I still am to some degree, but I think a lot of it stems back to uh, the Max Struces and Garrison Matthews of the world. Just, just, I, I Realistically speaking, and Sam yells at me all the time for this. They were never going to get minutes. They're not. They weren't going to get minutes in the Celtic rotation. That's how it works. But you look at the track record. At least keeping one of them around on, like you said, a two way deal, which is not no longer a possibility. But keeping them on the end of the bench, developing them in the G League, maybe they turn into something down the line. That's the intriguing part. I think you get from Matt Ryan from what yeah, he showed in the summer league. Situation matters. That's my one of my favorite things to say. Situation matters yeah. in the NBA and. If, if you're not going to be in the right situation, you could take a guy who is a 20-point-a-game scorer and put him in the wrong situation. All of a sudden, he's shooting 40% and averaging 14 a game, and you're like, what the hell happened to this guy? It, it has to be the right opportunity, and sometimes for a guy like Max Struess, you have to go through uh, – what, do you have an ACL tear? You have to go through the adversity, yeah. and then you have to fight to come back, and then you have to appreciate certain things, and maybe maybe he changes his approach – along the way and maybe it changes his motivation along the way and he just has to understand a lot of things how to how to handle himself and his career better so just because he did well somewhere else and that goes for any player just because a player does well somewhere else doesn't mean wow this guy would have been good with the Celtics especially one of these role players Jason Tatum's going to be good everywhere, right? Those guys are going to be good everywhere. Jalen Brown is going to be good everywhere. The role players aren't going to be good everywhere because you have to have the right mix. You have to be playing off the right guys. You have to be in the right system, and you have to be in the right mindset. And if you're not any of those things, then things could go badly for you. So I do caution people to not make that 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 leap. Hey, Max Struess is playing well, and you know I'll I'll say it, you know, and say hey, this is it's tough to watch a guy like this get away. Yeah. But you also have to know that there's also no guarantee that if he had stayed, if they, if they didn't keep taco fall and they had just kept Javante green and Max Struess, maybe Max Struess is still, you know, maybe he would have been at summer league 
this summer trying to trying to hook on. Things could have gone very differently for him. You never know. Mm-hmm. That that always yeah. drives me insane. I mean, Jack, you said <laughs> it. It's always the people on Twitter. Oh, you know, they they let Struz walk. You know, it's going to come back to bite them. They they never give these guys chances. Like if Neesmith didn't draft well Desmond Bain. Didn't yeah. draft Bain. Didn't draft <laughs> Sadiq Bay. Like if Neesmith plays well for the Pacers, that's all you're going to see is, oh, you know, and if like say Brogdon gets hurt. Oh, like they should have kept Neesmith. Yeah. Look at the leap he took this year. <laughs> they gave up on him. People but don't get it. Neesmith, Neesmith would be the poster boy for proving, I think, the situation thing right. Yeah. Because right. Neesmith is very much the type of guy who was not going to get minutes in Boston. And people will say, well, yeah, he should have gotten minutes. But like, at whose expense were you going to? Are you not? Are you just going to say, play him 35 minutes and let him work through things. And if you lose a couple of games because of it, so what? No, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you should have played him. You'd be like, all right, well, that that's four losses that you're going to add to the list. Let's just say people will be like, no, I don't want to add losses to the well, You're not, you're not going to be a five win team and also let young guys play through their mistakes. That's just not how it goes. So you have, so if, if Neesmith and I think Neesmith can, go to Indy, and and I think he has the potential to thrive in a situation where there's no expectations whatsoever. It's a very calm, nice Midwestern atmosphere. Uh, Everybody's polite. (laughs) It's just just a nice little place to play. Um, People love the basketball there. It's all lining up for him to figure things out. And if he does, good for him. People should just say, oh, okay, he needed that space. But Boston was never going to give him that level of space while trying to win a championship. It's true. And just to piggyback on what you said, one, with the Celtics, you could tell every time he was getting on the floor, he was pressing, trying to get his feet under him, especially shooting-wise. We all know he can shoot. The players on the team saying he can shoot, and he's shooting air balls out there. And, yeah, again, he's going to be able to make those mistakes with the Pacers. He's not going to have a short leash. There's not going to be that pressure. and. You just have to be happy for him, really. He didn't shoot his way out of town. He didn't, you know, do the Kyrie or or whatever, right? Uh, I mean, why why be upset about that? I don't get it. Yeah, well, because it's Twitter. That's true. Exactly. Boston fans want it both ways. So they'll 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 always want it both. Yeah, ways. the the fan base, like you said, <laughs> you add like four losses, and I remember Jack, you had a tweet that popped off because they lost to the Pacers uh in like march or something after they just ripped off like six in a row and you were yeah. like this team can't win every game but people were legitimately upset that they lost to a pacers team that must have shot 60 percent from three that day <laughs> i remember that game yeah it was frustrating but uh, on the topics of of wings uh celtics have three open roster spots they obviously traded away neesmith uh, and daniel tice in the deal for brogdon along with uh malik fitz nick stauskas juan morgan uh now they have these roster spots a lot of people are saying you know use it on a big get a backup big who's going to back up Al Horford, Robert Williams. Um, the Celtics, from what they've said, seem fine with Luke Cornett in that role because, I mean, you consider Al Horford, Robert Williams, Gallinari, Grant Williams. You've got an okay big rotation there with Cornett as sort of the fifth guy, even though Gallinari can't really play center. Um, you don't really have too much legitimate wing depth. Like Brogdon can play up, Grant Williams can play down, but you don't have any guys in that slots. What are you 
prioritizing with those open spots? Are you looking for, and realistically speaking, none of these guys are going to get big time minutes, but just for the purpose of having those, you know, safety valves, if an injury comes along, are you looking at veteran wings? Are you looking at taking a chance on a summer league guy who could develop and then play some minutes if people get hurt? Like, what do you think the Celtics should do to fill those three spots? Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to matter a ton of outside of like you do, you do want to get a, a, a third big, I think, I think what the Celtics are doing right now is they're kind of, I think they're kind of gaming the two way system with Kevin Gelly and using him as sort of a fifth big. So yeah. you have your two starting bigs in Horford and Rob, you, I think you, you carry Cornette into the season and you kind of see how it goes. Um, I think you may, you might just, if you want to carry 14 guys and you're at 12 right now, right? There's, there's yeah, three more 12 right now. Yeah, so you, you let Matt Ryan and uh, Broderick Thomas and, and, and those guys kind of fight it out for the last guaranteed spot, which would be, you know, a, par- a partial guarantee or something like that. Um, then you go get a, a, a backup big that um, you can either, either you go get a backup big or you sign just a veteran minimum guy, um, the, the wing, the wing shooter. And then you fill that other spot at the trade deadline uh, or somewhere after December 15th, because you still have two TPEs left uh, and you have to, you just have to be careful with, how you spend the money because at this point the Celtics are, are going to be paying over about $50 million in the luxury tax. And, and I always have to preface this with, I don't care how much money they spend. Yes. I, I personally, yeah, spend, go, you should have used the TPE. You should have used the, the Fournier one and use these other two and then have a $200 million tax bill. What do I care? But that's, that doesn't, that's not realistic. So yeah. I have to, I have to, I'm trying to think like, well, what would the owners say? And I think that they're, they're, they're still going to want to be careful about just throwing money away. Cause if you sign a guy for $2 million, that's, you know, you, you tax that times 3.75. So that, that all of a sudden that player becomes a $10 million plus player. And you have to look at if it's, let's say it's, I don't know, Carmelo Anthony, which God just punched me in the face of that. <laughs> um, but adding him would cost more than the minimum. And so you say, are we adding him to cut him later? Or are we adding him? Cause we just, we want that, that depth, that just in case you just have to be careful about that just in case money. Cause you don't, what you don't want to do is, Sign a guy, then have to cut him. That's why when people say, well, Dwight Howard or Boogie Cousins or Hassan Whiteside, I'm like, okay, yeah, but all of those guys are fraught with peril. I don't like any of them. And if any of them has an attitude about their role or doesn't fit well and you have to cut one of those guys, you're still paying the tax on the dead money, and now you've wasted a lot of money. And the owners will sit there and say, yeah, we're willing to spend the money, but what we would hope to avoid is messing up like that on the fringes on an 11th or 12th or 13th man. And all of a sudden that dead money is costing us real money 
five, six, seven, eight million dollars. And now we have to go and pay this next person. And this next person is going to get them into the next tax bracket, which would be four twenty-five per um per per dollar. And now you're paying exponentially more in taxes. And that gets you closer to the next tier. So it keeps going up every $5 million. All of this is to say, I think you have to be just very careful about how you spend that the money on the last two, three spots because you just don't want to be burning money. I don't think owners are, I, owners are willing to spend, but I think it's the burning money where they're going to be like, Ugh, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to do that. And, and, and on the flip side is, don't cheap out now. Like the, the the counter argument would be like, you've you've gone this far. Don't cheap out at the very end. Like if you're building a house and it's a, you thought it was going to be a, a seven hundred thousand dollar house and it's it turns out to be a nine hundred thousand dollar house. Don't cheap out on like the last few things after you've spent all of this money. You've spent it. Might as well keep spending. So it's it's yeah. it's a tough back and forth. All of that is to say, I don't know. I don't know who who they're going to sign. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, unless you're obviously the Warriors or the Clippers and you're just going to burn cash as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the Celtics don't have a chase center. Just like, yeah. Like it's literally a chase, like ATM, where you, they just stick their <laughs> thing in and be like, oh, yeah, here's, here's another, you know, we're going to spend, you know, $15 million on, you know, whoever, you know, whatever guy they just signed. Um, or, if any of the Celtics owners want to invent a, you know, new tech product that ends up becoming a billion dollar company, multi-billion dollar <laughs> company, uh, then yeah, go ahead. And then, then the Celtics can go and spend all their money. But until then they are on the, the bottom end of the, uh, the, the tax, the tax spenders. Mm-hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I said that wrong because they're going to be like a top five tax paying team, but they, yeah. They don't have the operating income to maintain that for very long. Gotcha. Yeah. So were you disappointed that they didn't use the Fournier TP? I know no. you had tweeted that they didn't hear that they got anything worth it, but yeah. They they nothing came along that they were intrigued by that that they felt was worth using it. Um on the one hand, yeah, it's a valuable tool that they didn't use and they could have, and they could have certainly added a quality player to that bench and just made the team more expensive. Again, I personally, John Corrales, I don't care. Spend the money, go for it. But the Wick Grossbeck, that, that group, uh, they, I don't think we're willing to spend exponentially for like Kelly Olenek, who makes what? 12 million a year, Something which, like that, you yeah. know, to tax that at 3.75 and now you're paying well, I don't even know what that number is 40 something 50 million dollars for Kelly Olynyk are you going to really pay him that pay like that much money for him no so uh ultimately once they made the trade for Brogdon I I just knew that that was the trade and yeah. ultimately either let's pretend Brogdon made 17 million and he fit into the TPE. Then what would have happened? The Celtics would have brought him in for nothing. And then they would have cut Fitz and Stauskas and, 
you know, whoever else they sent. And, you know, they would have probably traded Daniel Tice because he became too expensive. Uh, and they they probably would have used a first-round pick to offload Aaron Neesmith anyway. So ultimately, you get the same deal for Brogdon. It's just different structures. And because he makes $21 million or $22 million, they did it with the players. Either way, at this point on you know late July, the Celtics were going to be without those players, without the TPE, and with Malcolm Brogdon. And they just they did it a different way. So I, I that I just basically said that's that's basically them using the TPE. Did you think it was strange that he was so cheap, Brogdon? I mean, I thought it was um, I thought it was a little strange. That I thought I thought the the price was going to be a little bit higher, but uh, yeah, I, I I was joking around. Like I, I think Brian Robb might have been the person who said this first, but totally true. Uh, if if somebody had tweeted this deal at me on Twitter, like if somebody tweeted on me, t- tweeted at me, I would have been like, I would have probably dunked on the tweet. I probably would have quoted <laughs> and be like, see. This is why you can't <laughs> use the trade machine because this is an impossible trade. No one will ever do a five for one in a first round pick like this. It's just, I, I would have just crapped all over the deal and Brad Stevens did it. So now on top of them getting a good deal, now I'm like, well, every time I do that to somebody, they're going to be like, well, that's how they got Brogdon and I can't say anything. So now you have to be nice to people. I mean, I'm generally nice to people. I just, I, I, I can't – you guys don't understand how much I hate the trade machine. I I hate – I'm with you. I hate, hate, hate the who says no question because 99% of the time it's like, well, it's obvious who says no. Yeah. And, and even this trade, like this trade was such an anomaly that Brogdon was that cheap guy. It's absolutely – uh, I mean, I guess his injury history really drove down the value, and you don't realize exactly how much it drove down his value. But most of the time, people are just saying, oh, this guy sucks. I'm going to trade him. And then you're going to say, well, why would the other team trade him? And he'd say, then all of a sudden he starts talking the guy up. Like, Aaron Neesmith sucks. you got to get him out of here. Like, okay, what's your thing? We're going to trade him to Indiana. I'm like, why would Indiana want him? Well, I mean, he's a decent shooter. He could probably you know, you know, pan out. Like, you, you people like – flip-flop in the middle of their rationale in in these fake trades you're like well which is it is he promising or is he not so there's that stuff and and generally it's just people trying to package up a bunch of stuff that they don't want they find a number that works and they're like oh yes this works let's go so um yeah the trade machine drives me nuts and it just draws a visceral reaction out of me both of those last examples fit perfectly into that brogdon trade Yeah, exactly. For all we know, Brad Stevens is like up in his office using like uh, this trade mystery and like trade MBA or whatever. Like, okay, I think this will work. And then he calls him up and he's like, oh, maybe, wow. It actually, <laughs> maybe he tricked Indiana into agreeing to the deal by sending a link, like one of those spam <laughs> links that said, ha ha ha, check out this trade. When you click on it, you agree to the deal. And you're like, wait a second. Like, like Indiana's front office is on, like with a scam, like the scam protection unit. Be like, yeah, we were just robbed of Malcolm Brogdon. I was supposed to get something of value, and I got Malik Fitz. Can you help me out? <laughs> is Malik Fitz the most valuable of all those players? I think he might be. With, I love with Malik the celebrations. Fitz. He was fun. He brings to the bench. 
now, hey, he, now he's not celebrating for anyone. I try. I tried to tell those guys <laughs> over at Lockdown Pacers, like you know, you you need you you are missing out on the elite air guitar. Mm. I mean, he they waved the, him right. He had the hips. Yeah. He had the oh yeah. It was it was more air ukulele, but it was it was yeah. really elite. He it's brought an it. Excellent point. But since now I know you love trades so much, I did have a question for you. Uh, do you think the Celtics are done? Like, do you think this is the roster they walk in next season with? Or they've got like a couple TPEs. I know I've, I've seen like, of course, on your favorite place, Twitter and Deshaun websites, you see like, oh, the Utah Jazz or throwing around pieces like, oh, Jared Vanderbilt fits into P or the, the Timberwolves have already this many bigs. Get Nas Reed. He's a cheap player. Like, do you think they could make uh, on the edges move for either of those guys? You've seen Pritchard's name thrown around just because they have so many guards now. Like, do you think there is anything left to do or do you think they're fine going into next season like this? Yeah, it's it's actually the answer is kind of like yes to both because there's still a Donovan Mitchell trade kind of hanging out there and yeah. there's a Kevin Durant trade kind of hanging out there. And the Celtics can still with a 6.9 and a $5.9 million TPE kind of hang around and say, we're kind of done unless <laughs> you need a third team and maybe they can say, hey, maybe we can sneak in and get this guy from Utah or this guy from New York or this guy from Brooklyn or wherever KD goes. They can still kind of be players in the in the trade facilitation kind of thing. And so my reaction is that they're basically done. They're gonna they're gonna kind of like placeholder those last two roster spots. They'll go into the season and see how Luke Cornett does as the as the third big. December 15th will roll around. And then they'll start seeing if any better third bigs kind of shake free that they can get either for maybe a Peyton Pritchard or um, a, a pick or something something in there. And I think that that'll be fine. I think their their team is good right now. They're they're basically ten deep, uh, depending on how you feel. But actually, no, because Grant Williams, Derek White. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. That's nine. So Peyton Pritchard would make you ten, and and that's yeah. that. That's a lot. Ten is is too much. So you you generally want to go nine deep, but you can hang on to Pritchard and say, hey, let's let's roll with this until the trade deadline. And who knows? Maybe something happens that we don't we don't see coming. So I'm I'm good with the team the way it is. But if one of those trades comes around, you know, star trades sometimes need a third team. Maybe the Celtics, if they they kind of sneak in, and especially if you know it's a Utah deal where he he'd probably call Brad before he calls you know anybody else and say, hey, here's yeah. a six million dollar player, do you want him? Um, and then because I'm sure I'm sure Danny would love nothing more than to make a competitor better to the team that he's trying to get draft picks from. Like if he's trading Donovan Mitchell to New York. Okay, fine. I'm going to send him to New York. We're going to get a bunch of draft picks. Oh, now I'm going to send this role player to Boston, and that that's going to make them better. And you, I'm hoping that they're going to be so much better that you, no matter what success you might have, you're going to keep losing, and maybe that draft pick's a little bit better from the from the Utah side. So I can mm -hmm. I can see that happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we can move on from trades now. I, thank you for humoring me uh, at the very least. But I, I briefly did want to touch on Luke Cornett. 
just to get your thoughts, because obviously, you know, if they're fine with it, they could sign a veteran center. Are you comfortable with Luke Cornett playing those sort of, okay, Al Horford's going to sit a back-to-back, Robert Williams is, is injured because obviously uh, Gallinari, et cetera. Are, are you fine with him playing like spot minutes for the Celtics when inevitably big men miss time? Yeah. Look, first, first, let me clarify something. I don't mind talking about trades. What yes. I, what drives me nuts is here's a fake trade I came up with. <laughs> Tell me what you think about it. Like no, next no, time no. I'll make sure to have says no. Party. I'll talk about trade rumors. I'll talk about potential trades. Yeah. I'll talk about the Donovan Mitchell situation, the Katie situation all day long. Um, but anyway, Luke Cornett, he's fine. He's fine as a third big right now, especially October, November, December. He's fine. I think people kind of don't realize he he's he's not he's not some stiff. I mean he's not, but he's not some stiff. He can go out there and catch alley oops. He can block some shots. He's a big guy. Um, he looks like you know a, a bit goofy, but he's actually not bad, and he has NBA experience. So he's 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 okay. He's fine. Um, do you want better than okay and fine for your third big? Probably. So you roll with it until you can see if something better comes along. But for now, especially when you consider this isn't just a straight backup big, like, oh, we've got to take one of our bigs out. We have to put Luke Cornett in. No, you can take one of your bigs out and put Grant Williams in. And then you can take the other big out and you can put, you know, Malcolm Brogdon in and you go small, or you could take, an, an, you know, Grant Williams out and put the first big that went out back Gallinari in. Gallinari too, yeah. You know, Gallinari can take a a, a, a swing at it. it. Luke Cornett can play some, but I don't think five minutes of Luke Cornett is going to be like taking the back rotor off of an air uh, off of a helicopter <laughs> and watching it spin and crash to the ground. Like, I it's it's not going to be. I mean, maybe maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. I, I I can't I can't say for sure that it won't be. Maybe it will, but I think if you put him in for like five minutes or or three minutes or four minutes, whatever it is, at a time, and you just let him just let Al sit a couple extra minutes, let Rob sit a couple extra minutes, and like I said, you can go small with other options and and be fine, and it should it should be okay. It should all be okay. And then if the trade market comes around and hey, here's here's a decent guy that we can uh, we can count on more. Then yeah, then you go for that. And then maybe maybe you trade Luke Cornett away later on at the deadline and say, you know, that's how you save some of the money. And you you attach a, a fake second rounder to Luke Cornett and you throw him into somebody's cap space and you throw that 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 team a million dollars in cash to pay for for waiving him or whatever. And they're fine. Teams do that favor for each other all the time because that's how business gets done. So that I think it's fine for now. And at some point they can, they can go and find a better option. Yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, like we're saying, Luke's going to play what five minutes every 10 days. It's not the end of the world. Um, Transitioning here. We can make this sort of the last thing. Uh, Cause I know, you know, Time is money, as I say. But the first time we ever had you on this podcast, we talked about summer league stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I, w- I want to kind of transition that. And Sam brought this up, and it was a good idea. Um, this was the first finals I-, I saw you tweet about that you've gotten to cover. So I was wondering if there's stories, or you know, let us give us some insight 
if you wouldn't mind about your experience covering the finals stuff oh, yeah. like that because i mean i can imagine it was the rules amazing, right yeah, yeah very cool yeah it's uh it was a lot of fun it's completely different um it's so all season long it's the you know you you go to the garden and yeah. the, the Celtics PR is in charge and there are rules to when a you know when a coach is available and and all of that finals it's actually starting with the conference finals the NBA starts to get involved so and that's when you see guys up on the podium that's when you hear I have to announce who I am all of a yeah. sudden versus like people who might watch a uh, post game on NBC Sports Boston. You just hear my voice, right? Mm-hmm. If you're watching post game and I'm asking a question, I just walk up to a microphone and and you just hear me asking a question. But when the NBA comes along, they say you have to say who you are and who you're with before you ask the question. So you start to get a little bit more formality to that. The finals is a complete crush of media where a normal game you have two guys from the globe a guy from the herald two guys from the athletic two guys from mass live me um and then so that's eight uh might be a couple of extra guys depending on uh you know maybe a couple of clns guys so you're like 10 celtics writers round up to a dozen uh and and that's it whereas so, you know, we have a little media workroom in the finals. They clear out like a whole side of the building and put like probably like 20, 30 big like cafeteria type tables. And that's where everybody's working. And you need all of those spaces filled because now the entire world is trying to cover this event. So there are so many more people there. Um Everything is exponentially bigger, and um, it's it's just it's it's I don't know. It, it you feel like the specter of like the world. All every it be, and it becomes almost like a social event. You start to see people that you only see on Twitter. You see people who you know like oh wow hey how's it going and you introduce yourself. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Anyone in particular um, that was like stuck out? No, like I um. The, the coolest the coolest interaction I had was with Doris Burke, um, who I love, love, love. And I'll, I will say, uh, I mean, I've, I met like media people from just, just general media people. My coolest finals interaction, I was walking from the floor through like the players, the player tunnel, you know where the player's going after. Um, that's also the media tunnel. So we use the same, the same entrance and I'm walking in and Doris Burke is walking out and I say, hi, she says, hi. And then she says, so what do you think? So immediately I'm like, oh, okay. This is a, I'm chatting with Doris Burke now. And like, (laughs) so I, you know, start talking or whatever, whatever. And then she walks away and she says, Hey, great stuff all season. I was like, what, 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 like you, like she, like she knows who I am. She listens to the podcast, and I'm just like, uh, at that point, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you too. Obviously, you're a legend, and I'm like, oh my god, I sound. All of a sudden, I turned 14. Um, <laughs> so that was that was like a wow moment. Like I, I've had that moment with her, and I had a moment with Jackie McMullen 
at the Chicago All-Star game where I was just walking by. She was talking to somebody in the uh, in the hallway. I was walking by, and I just kind of like nodded because I didn't want to interrupt her conversation. And she says, hey, John. And I'm like, oh. she knows my name. <laughs> so I totally marked out there. Uh, so th- those two interactions were super cool. And the other, the other super cool thing that I did that the NBA uh, has like charter flights. Normally I would book my own travel to go like to Milwaukee yeah. or to Miami or whatever. The NBA offers charter flights because there's so much media. They see, you know, here's a set rate and there's, we'll, you know, put you on a bus and get you to the, the, you know, tarmac and you don't have to go through the same security. You don't have to go through, like you do have to do a version of TSA, but um, it's a, it's a chartered flight, but it's one of the planes that they use. There's two planes. There was at this anyway, one of the planes is the backup team plane. So mm-hmm. the warriors have a plane, the Celtics have a plane and there's a backup plane that in case there's an issue with one of those, they'll kick the media off the team, <laughs> take it over. And then the media has to sit and wait for the problem to be fixed. So they obviously didn't have any problems with their plane. So I am now on a charter flight that is the same plane the teams use. And you see like the tables where the guys would play cards and you can see the setup and I can see like the front of the plane. First of all, every seat is like a first class size seat. The front of the plane, there are four very obviously, this is where the front court sits because there's probably eight feet of leg room between like they can like taco fall could sit in the chair and spread his legs out and be comfortable. So you can see like, you can see a little bit of the, Hey, okay. I get like, this is how the team flies and you get a little taste of how, how that works, um, which is super cool. But also you understand like it's still a plane. And even if, Every single plane is the same in that if you're over 6'2 or 6'3, you've got to bend over and you, it's, it's uncomfortable to walk. And uh, I'm not sure if everybody here listening understands or knows this. I'm going to break <laughs> some news. Most NBA guys are over 6'2 or 6'3. <laughs> so it's still like you don't, even though it's a charter flight, you don't get to like, get up and there's a disco ball and dance party or anything like that. You still have to hunch over like Jalen Brown has to hunch over and it's still uncomfortable. So yes, they get these cool chartered flights and the plane is awesome, but it's still a plane. And so the travel is better, certainly better than any travel you're going to get unless you're always flying first class. Um, but it's still travel. And so you, you really get a, a good perspective of all of that. My mom and my mom works for Delta. She's a flight attendant and her friend does the Celtics sometimes. So once in a while, I'll get to hear some stories. My mom yeah. did the nuggets this year and they eat like Kings. I mean, the food's fantastic. My mom yeah, will get sure. to bring some home once in a while. So geez, I can't keep hitting my wire. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> enough about my mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that's the one thing we didn't get. I think we got like really food. I don't think we got any of the, what the guys were eating. <laughs> Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> See, even I get what the guys eat. It was good. Good food. Good. It's just like they're not serving me prime rib or anything like that. Like <laughs> nothing elite. 
Yeah, but um, that was that's. I just wanted to ask about your finals experience because that's awesome. Obviously, yeah, it's very fantastic. Good cover team that deep into the playoffs but uh i think that about wraps it up i had written down here grant williams recent media tour of just being everywhere in the media because i am yeah. probably the biggest Grant williams fan you'll meet um but we don't have to go in depth in that i just thought it was funny i saw a tweet that um sam sent it to me i'm a huge grant williams guy uh, and one of the um one of our friends me, is not one of our buddies who's always on the, the show timmy g hates grant williams so we go back and forth about it and there was a tweet that said uh why is Grant Williams all over the place right now? He was good for like two months. They should trade him. And I'm sitting here like losing my mind because like <laughs> I, I'll never understand the Grant hate because it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. But um, I got it last year. But this year, like how? I mean, how, how are you going to? Come on, man. Like I, I get it. He's on like some. Exactly. Tour. But also it just was all in Las Vegas. And, yeah. you know, he's 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 a, a, a players union VP. So I'm sure all of the guys want to get a little a little time with him and. So he showed up on a few podcasts, like big deal. I like the, uh, I think it was a July 4th of him, Drake, Jason Tatum. Like he was just with all the stars at that one. Yeah, Robert Kraft. <laughs> that, I love how Robert Kraft is at all these things. Yeah. Well, what yeah, do they right? talk about? Uh, yeah. Grant, Grant seemed a little out of place at that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, here's Drake. Oh, it's Tatum. Oh, it's LeBron. Oh, it's Grant Williams. <laughs> you got to love it. Okay. Hey, good for him. Maybe he's going to be a star next year. He's the average 20. He'll be in the all-star game. You know, he's, he's, he's the dude. Uh, I, I'll stand by it. I'll back Grant Williams up until uh, the end of time. But, um, yeah, that's that's all we had, uh, Sam, unless there was anything no, that you I'm, wanted to bring I'm up. Good. But, yeah, uh, thank you, John, for joining us. We appreciate it. Hopefully you'll be back for a sixth time. We didn't scare you away uh, <laughs> this time around. This is easier uh, than Skype. So I think we've made a better impression. We used to have yeah. to go through Skype. StreamYard, Skype easy was, work. This is much easier. Oh yeah, yeah, this rules. Streamyard is we've we've upgraded. We'll put it that way since we started. But uh, thank you for joining. Uh, from and correct me if I'm wrong. The num- locked on Celtics number one Celtics podcast out there right now. Is, is that yeah. correct? Am, am I correct for saying that? That's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. But thank I mean, you, thank, you, thank you. It was one of you know at at its peak. It was one of Apple's top. I think it went to forty something um in all basketball podcast or all sports podcasts all of sports podcasts crazy so Amazing. it was uh during the finals it it really it really shot up those those rankings so yeah that's that's the other thing about covering a team that went into the finals it's uh that, nice that little boost <laughs> and, but also precipitous drop after that off the all of course right now but hopefully <laughs> that carries hope hopefully when the season starts that people pick that back up again so yeah uh, i'm ex- i'm enjoying a little bit of uh Good times with the podcast. There you go. I mean, still do daily though, right? Like how do you, not to like dive too deep, but how do you find stuff right now to do? Like, I I know there's probably like, you you can get creative and stuff, but like it it has to be a lot different from going from finals and having stuff every day to right now where it's like, you know? Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I'll do, I had, I mean, obviously I had summer league to kind of carry me through. Yeah. So that, that was good. Um, I'll, I get mailbag questions a lot. So, you know, I'll do a mailbag episode um, this week, you know, just, just kind of, just kind of barely squeaking by, but you know, Grant Williams doing that podcast gave yep. me something to talk about in the, uh, on the Thursday podcast. And then uh, you start to broaden it out. You talk about the league a little bit. You start talking about, you start to figure out, okay, um, I can, I can spend a little bit more time on a single topic and 
something that might have been a segment, a 10-minute segment, I can expand out to a 25-minute show mm-hmm. and kind of just do three eight-minute segments on it and and really dive into it. And then you just, I don't know, sometimes you just got to wing it. Sometimes you just got to, you know, come up with something. You got to dig a little bit deeper. It's just, it's it's a little bit more challenging. I will say that August and September, I'll go down to three days a week just to calm gotcha. it down. But still, it's three days a week in the dead of the NBA. So I come up with something. So uh, then you start start looking at guys' Instagram feeds a lot. And see where they are. It's like before the bubble when you looked at like all the Instagram the food. feeds of what food they were eating. And yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you come up, with, you come up with concepts. You, you come up with like I could spend a whole week doing uh, the each guy in the starting five. Here's my Marcus Smart podcast. You know, here's my you know, and you can do um, what ifs. You do a what if podcast. Hey, what if they do this? What if they do that? You know, you can start. You can you know, guests become big. You get mm-hmm. different people's opinions on what if they do this, and you know you, you could always find something. There's always something to if you if you keep an open mind and dig a little bit, you can always find something to talk about. And very clearly, I have no problem just yammering on. So <laughs> that's normally that's a deterrent or that's a, that's a bad trait. But for a podcaster, it's something that can really help me get through a show. Well, not only there a podcast, but you do it by yourself, which is the most impressive yeah. thing to me. You do a show well, by yourself most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've brought Tom Westerholm on for a couple of days a week to kind of take some of that pressure off. But, um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I, it's just something that that it, it works for me. I, I have no problem. I've I spend a lot of time just talking to myself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so whether there's a camera on me or not, I'm. My, I don't think internally. I always think out loud. So, um, I it's 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 I don't know. It's something that I can get through. Once I once I keep going, once I get going, very easy to keep going. There you go. Well, I'll be All looking right. out for the "What If Grant Williams Got Twenty Shots a Game" podcast this summer. That'll be that'll be my personal favorite one. If you, if you get to it, you know, just just throwing ideas out there, spitballing for you. But he would score uh, <laughs> fifteen points a game. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. Well, how many but anyways, shots you game set? All right, that's enough of that. We you took eight, 18, 18? threes. Was it eight, okay, eighteen well, threes? Impressive, like that. impressive, something crazy. Um. Anyways, thank you, John. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, on Twitter at John John underscore Corrales, uh, Boston Sports Journal, Locked On Celtics podcast. Did I miss anything? I often miss stuff. Got the it book. all. Yeah. The book, of course. Book. Uh, the Boston Celtics all time All Stars. Love it. Thank you fifth time on the show hopefully we like i said didn't scare you away uh thank you guys all for listening and per usual sam i'll let you wrap it up yeah thank you very much for listening or watching if you're watching we're on youtube at guy boston or Bannertown. regardless make sure you like share subscribe if you're on guy boston you can catch our live streams before every game we always do the pregame and assortment of jack me tim kj we're always there uh most of the time you know, give or take a few, uh, but make sure you follow John on Twitter. We appreciate him coming on at John underscore Corrales. He's everywhere. He's, he was, or is, is the number one Celtics podcast. Make sure you check it out. He's pumping them out daily down to three days a week. Like he just told you. And you can follow Jack at Jack's one NBA. He's doing all kinds of stuff. You can follow at from rafters pod for when Jack does tweet out the pod. And you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA for me. Probably complaining. about something. That's our show for this. Week.